This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Friday afternoon edition, the first ever multi-person edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I don't know how to brand this. We talked about this off air. The ABC sports reporters. I don't know. We're all, I guess, sports reporters. What is sports reporting anyway in 2020? Um, everything is weird, but I am happy to be joined by Andrew Hammond and Bob Silverman. Good afternoon, guys. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Doing solid. How are you doing there, Chase? I'm, I'm good, man. How is, how is everything in New York? We, like, we're all across the United States, which, which I like, because um, Andrew's up there in the Pacific Northwest. Um, Bob is up there in the Northeast in New York, and I'm down here in the Southeast in Atlanta. How is everything um, in y'all's in right now? In quarantine. <laughs> like, yeah, Washington, it, compared, to, compared to the rest of the country, Washington is just um, playing it a lot safer than anybody else right now. So like, while people are in phase two, phase three, we've been in phase two for like two weeks, but we're still in a phase one mindset. Mm. What about you, Bob? I, I, I've been in various forms of quarantine for close to, uh, I think, three months, but it, it's like three months next week. Uh, I, I lock down early and often. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the city is, and, and most of my neighbors in this, in this Leslie County neighborhood are in the flat. So it's very quiet and weird. Um, I, I've been to a handful of protests, which has been, well, you know, wrapped in a hazmat suit. Um, but aside from that, it, it, it's just me and these 600 square feet, and it's, it's been a tough road to go. Well, you got to go out and eat, right? Like, I think I saw you tweet out that you got a non-home-cooked meal for the first got, time in a while. I got contactless pickup. So, yeah, I brought home since I've walked about a mile and a half to this highly recommended uh, place that did soup dumplings because I was craving soup dumplings, and they were quite excellent. Okay, but yeah, never had soup dumplings. I don't know what that. Are. I don't know what that actually is. Never had dumplings. No, I don't think I've ever oh, eaten dumplings. Man. In my life. What? 
Yeah, no, I've never had what? dumplings. <laughs> Literally every culture has their own kind of dumpling. Mm. Well, I'm also not Literally, a soup guy. I don't like soup, really. It's not served in soup. The soup is in the dumpling. Oh. That texture sounds they are, to me. I'm not sure I'm in on this. No, it's out. All right. You, you've never had regular, say, Chinese food or Japanese food dumplings? No. I get the same thing over and over again. Oh. General, uh, General So's uh, spicy chicken and white rice. That's what I do every you time. get a dump. They're delicious. <laughs> it's, it's cooked meat served in a delicious thread wrapper. Uh-huh. What's not, it's like... An empanada, okay, or a let's never had say, one of those. Uh, I don't know what an empanada. What? Is. Oh my god! How? <sighs> or a pierogi, maybe? Have you ever had a pierogi? Don't no. even know what that. I didn't okay. know, until that. You just said that word. I didn't even know what that was. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an Eastern European dumpling. Um, in any case, there's a the soup dumpling, the basic concept behind it. Mm-hmm. Whereas normally, it's a little sealed dough pouch, and then you put stuff inside to taste good, whether meat or vegetable or both, or cheeses in some instance. Yeah. Um, the soup dumpling has some meat, yes, but also inside is a sealed pouch of delicious soup. So you bite into it, and you get a little gulp of soup. I'm not going to lie, that sounds disgusting. There's zero chance of eating that. Oh my god! <laughs> Please, like, stretch the boundaries of which your really white hands can grasp and try <laughs> embracing this concept. It is so good. Uh, I I like minimal stuff. I don't really like eating. Eating is like one of my least favorite things to do every day. I'm not a big eater. I don't. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> no, try it. Thing. Andrew, am I alone here? Do you know all those things that he's throwing out there? Are you familiar? Yes, oh, yes. Okay. And, uh, I, and, and I'm silently listening in just disappointment. Like, I'm literally sitting here going, why? Chase, how? I don't know. They're not. Oh, my God. Look, okay. The Chinese, next, it's, it's an appetizer. Mm-hmm. So the next time you order takeout Chinese, mm-hmm. they'll send you six of them. It'll be maybe five to six dollars, perhaps less. I don't know the Chinese. I'm so tempted to freaking Lexus Nexus you. Find out where <laughs> you live and have it sent to your house on general principle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not my thing. Uh, I do well done pizza. I don't know if that's a, a hot take for anyone. Well, wait, well done. Wait, wait a second. What is well done pizza? Yeah, uh, yeah. What? what huh? uh, basically, you when it comes, basically, what it means is they put it back in the oven after it's ready for a little bit longer, so it's really crunchy. Fascinating. I like really crunchy, so I always order well done. So basically, it's like really crispy. It's almost it's borderline burnt, but that's what I prefer. Yeah. Oh. So with a jar on the crust, in that way, you know. Yeah, I'm a big crust guy. That's that's fine. Okay. Um, you guys remember the nun, the nun pizza left feet. The what? Meme. Nun cheese left feet. Hmm. I have no idea what this is. This is a very popular, yeah. popular meme. Okay, Five good. Or six years. 
Andrew and I are on the same page. Here, finally, I'm I'm not alone on an island for the first okay. time in this podcast. Okay, this is good. None none sees less deep was there was an app on the Domino's ordering device where you mm. could specify to, to minute detail what you wanted on your pizza. So someone to test the boundary of this modern internet convenience ordered the none pizza left beef, mm-hmm. which was just. They, they wanted no cheese, no sauce, no topping. Except on the left side, they wanted ground like meatballs. <laughs> so they delivered it. And they, they got a cooked pizza dough with a handful of wads of ground beef like substance scattered only on one side. And then they shared it with the world. And <laughs> then other people And then other people started sharing their deranged Domino's orders just mm. for the for the clout. <laughs> wow. As the kids say. <laughs> anyway. Awesome. So well, you at home yes. learn more about early 2010 internet uh, culture, there's a, there's a Google subject for you. There you go. Go do that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> this is a natural natural lead-in to our first topic today uh bob so i appreciate that and i'm glad we went down a rabbit hole to get this all started break the ice is that uh now everybody knows that i have very trash food takes but it's good that it's out there now. um <laughs> it's all good people needed to know at some point that i am i eat like a child um jacques vaughn is rumored to be the favorite to get the Nets job. He has been the interim coach for the Nets. He'll coach them this summer. Um, the bubble. Tyron Lue was rumored for a while. There was Jeff and Gunny popped in there. Mark Jackson, the usual names. But um, this is something that I've been thinking about a while, and I've asked different sports reporters about this too. But I wanted to get your perspective because basically the two New York jobs are open. And Tom Thibodeau, I think Shams reported this week that he's still considered the favorite for that job that they're interviewing everybody over. The, like it's interesting that they're interviewing everybody they possibly can with Leon Rose and the Nets are just like, ah, well, we're, we're good with uh, Jock Vaughn. And I want to pose this to y'all. Do you think the Brooklyn Nets is a good job? If you're a, a, you're a guy who wants another head coaching job, do you want the Nets job? Do you want to coach Kyrie and Kevin Durant for a couple of years? Do you want the stress? Do you want this? Andrew, you first, and then we'll go to Bob. Uh, I, honestly, like, cause I've been thinking about this. The the easy thing is you have, you know, it, there's not much pressure as there is coaching the Nets compared to the Knicks because the Knicks, uh, I think it kind of goes without saying, but the, at the same time, you've got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, two guys who are in their prime and by the time you get them, They'll be on. They'll be nearing the back half of that. So they want to win. I like Jock Vaughn. I think Jock Vaughn would be a good hire. My worry is, are Kyrie and KD, are they going to say, okay, yeah, let's ride with Jock Vaughn. Yeah, this works because you know how in the NBA, if the star players don't like the coach, the coach. His leash is a lot, a lot shorter than it should be. So, look, I like Jock Vaughn as as the coach there. I think it works. Um, 
the the one worry, the one question I have is if this team starts to struggle, will KD and Kyrie sit there and say, okay, maybe he's not the guy, and then you know a year and a half, two years later, we're in the same we're we're, we're in the same cycle. Bob, what do you think? I, I just googled. You know, I was remembering like, oh yeah, they're like Jack Plum had a had a couple of years there with the Orlando Magic, which is yep. sort of a hot, hot assistant circa 2011 or so, and being up for a bunch of jobs. Boy, he was bad. I mean, that was a bad Orlando team, yeah. Post White Quay trade, but that was, but he was He was <laughs> he had a bad run. Not that coaches can't improve over time. Yeah, plenty of examples of guys who had putrid records like Mike D'Antoni and then figured it out the next time around the league. But, uh, I mean, I, I think to Andrew's point, I think the, the I think Kyrie and Kevin are going to be consulted. In, I don't think the Nets are going to hire someone unless they know that Kyrie and Kevin are on board. Yeah. I, I think, I think given the contentious, is that a good word to use, departure of Kenny Atkinson? Yeah. Or the somewhat surprising uh, departure of Kenny Atkinson, which feels a lot of uh, lingering issues behind the scenes. Um, I, I think it would be insane of Bobby Marks not to make sure he got a rubber stamp. And now, if, if things go sour after that, well, then, you know, in this NBA, I don't know if we can be entirely sure that in two years, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are still going to be nets for that matter. So looking right. ahead to the, to, the, to the future coaching team seems to me to be putting the cart ahead of the horse a little bit. Uh, I, I just think it's, it's just that whoever, whoever decides to coach the team, that's going to be someone that that already has the backing of the next two stars. So if that's Jack Vaughn, Cool. Um, I mean, like, you know, Tyron was an interesting case. He really never got his due for coaching. But the assumption was that he was a clipboard holder who was there because LeBron liked it and didn't do any actual coaching. And I, and I always thought that was kind of unfair to Tyron. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, he was coaching, like, you know, there were, you know, we all know what went down in that series where they say, you know, uh, beat the Warriors, but he was coaching against Steve Kerr, who's one of the best coaches in the NBA, right. and managed to win. None of that diminishes what LeBron did in that series, or Kyrie Irving did in that series, or even what Kevin Love did in that series. But I, I think this, you know, the, there's been this sort of strange reaction with the Nets, where people are like, oh, right, Kyrie that was the guy who LeBron liked, so now they're hiring a guy that Kevin Durant like. Which I, I think is, I think that's a, a misplaced criticism. But that's also I mean, not a bad thing. Bad this is what you should do if you're an yeah. NBA team. If you are not like asking, like it, it would be insane not to ask Michael Jordan, not to ask Kobe, not to ask Shet. Like your best players ultimately matter more than anybody else. So like not getting their input and not being like, would you be happy with this person is silly to me. If Steph Curry one day is not happy with Steve Curry, you're like, hmm, what do we do here? Like that is something you have to take into a bigger account because it's just like ultimately it's about those guys like they matter significantly more so yeah you should right it would be just gm malpractice not to be like kevin are you okay with this Kyrie, are you okay with this uh maybe less Kyrie, right because he will probably well, change his and, and, 
Right. And while I think there's one asset that, you know, as Bob was saying, Tyron Lou, you know, I, I would I, I would go to bat for Tyron Lou and say not only is, you know, he's more than a clip or a clip, you know, board holder, he knows how to push the right buttons for players. And if you look, if you go back to that 2016 series, he pushed all the right buttons, even when arguably LeBron playing the best that he had ever played at that point, you know, he's, he's still pushing his buttons. So he knows how to get guys over the finish line. My worry with Jock Vaughn is, okay, you've got the role can you push them over the finish line? Can you push them in an Eastern conference that is much tougher than maybe you guys anticipated 18 months ago? Um, so that that's where I'm at on it. I mean, I like, I like the Jock Vaughn hire if they go that direction, but at the same time, there's going to be instant pressure there. And if you're the GM, you can't sit here and go, well, just when my players are unhappy, if we hit a five-game losing streak or, you know, our bench depth isn't as great as it should be, we can't sit here and fire a coach just because a few things are going wrong. Like, they've got to – to me, they've got to stick with him as long as they can because, you know, you're going to end up being in a being in a spot where nobody wants to go. Nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to coach. Well, they're also in a weird spot, yeah. too, because, like, so they're still going to have to trade some guys. Karis LeVert's probably not long for this roster. And, like, Kyrie said some really weird stuff about the guys on this roster right now um, that they're probably not going to be here, and they have to just play through that. And, like, that weird, they were, the Kenny Atkinson startup group is over, and now it's contention, and we haven't even really seen them in the playoffs yet. Um, does Jock Vaughn have the cachet? to go to Kyrie and Kyrie's like I want Giannis in the first in the third round of the Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals is he going to be able to be like Kyrie you're not doing this again like you're you're not doing that or is it just like nope Kyrie wants this this is Kyrie and Kevin's team they're going to do whatever they want to do you know uh, one thing, well I was going to say sorry to interrupt but um, uh, one thing that impresses me about Jock Bond is he comes from that he comes from two two different important trees for being a coach and a player. He comes from the Roy Williams tree at KU. And of course, you know, Dean Smith. So there's that link of knowing how to relate to your players. But then at the same time, he also comes from that Spurs coaching tree where he spent time as an assistant in like two or three different stints. So you've got that pedigree of pop where, you know, whatever he says goes, but at the same time, he will let the players, you know, do their thing. So it's encouraging in some sense, but at the same time, you're still kind of wondering, okay, if Kyrie wants to do this, it better work. Or, you know, you, you won't be long for a, uh, for, for a job. I, um, I would just rather have the next job. I can't believe I'm saying this in 2020. <laughs> I would just rather have the Knicks job. It's a clean slate. I, I would rather you have the Knicks job too. Oh, um, thank you, Bob. You got my backing. Thank you. I will <laughs> bring the, Knicks basketball yeah. back. Chase Thomas is bringing back. You know what my first move is? 
Bring him back, Azonia. Bring him back, Mario. It's time to bring get the gang back together. That's my first move. Sure. I think uh, I lost. I think I lost Bob after that one. one no, I'll never quit Mario Azonia. I'll never quit him. He should have been good. I don't understand it. He should have been good. He's got the confidence to be a people, star. People yeah. believe in Super Mario. Yeah. I didn't, but people people believe. Um. Yeah. The here here's the, the thing is like I mean one thing I think you know after Andrew's point about taking them over the top we still don't know what this no one has any idea what this next team is. It is very is in some ways just as unformed a blob as the Knicks are. Granted, yeah. they're a lot better unformed blob. They win more games than <laughs> than the most recent iteration of the Knicks. But like Kyrie has this on and off the court all year. Um, you know, uh, they've got you know they've got a lot of players who need the ball in their hands to be successful, including. Karis LeVert and Spencer Dippy and Kyrie and Kevin Durant when he eventually comes back. Um, the other pieces around them have been, you know, they've got some nice role-playing guys like, like Joe Harris and, and Jared Allen, but in my mind, this is, I, I still don't know what, what, you know, what the, let's say Kevin Durant comes back and is 95% of his old self. You know, knock on wood, I hope he is. But is Pete Kevin Durant and a relatively healthy Kyrie Irving enough to get to maybe be on the second round, depending on what's around them? I, I don't know. Maybe. So, honestly, though, I, I really think, I mean, the thing that I always balked at with getting rid of Kenny Atkinson is the one thing we, we can say with, with a good amount of confidence is he was good at developing, uh, you know, second round, like late first round picks. And guys, they pulled off the scrappy into functional players. And I still think they need that kind of a coach before you get to the, okay, it's time for the put, put, you know, put all the pieces together, get us over the hump guy to take over. So I, I, you know, whether Jacques Vaughn is that guy, and again, I don't know. He was in a, he was in a lousy situation that first year after the trade with Dwight Howard. So. In my mind, there are and to 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 jump off of what you said, James. One reason why it would be more beneficial to take the next job, if you forget the James Dolan instance, one reason why is because it's very clear what the job is. Mm-hmm. Develop the young places, bring in more talent. Develop a functional style of basketball that you want to play. I, I don't, you know, the Nets team is kind of trying to be both at the same time. They're trying to be a team that's ready to win now and also develop what that style of play is around their two stars and figure out which one of the pieces they want to keep. So in a lot of ways, and, and one that's going to be judged for not winning immediately. Yeah. Like if, if the new Knicks head coach, who hopefully his name won't rhyme with you know, Shmom Shmibido, if that new head coach wins 32 games, people are going to be elated. And, you know, they don't constantly step on rakes. The expectations with the Knicks job, and I think one reason people are excited, like coaches are interested in it, is because if a coach can succeed there, the rewards are, are Herculean. 
Like, see, I personally went crazy when Mike D'Antoni installed a style of play and won 32 games for a couple of years before Amari showed up. Yeah. Like, Knicks fans like me revere that Amari, Ray Felton, Danilo Gallinari, uh, Landry Field team, which was barely over 500 prior to the Mellow yeah. trade. You got a great book out of it? Yeah. Some people got a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good book. It's, it's a, a good, good book. book. You what, should read it's, it. Uh, like, it's on it's my bookshelf right called, now. We'll, I'm looking at it right now. We'll always have Lynn Sanity. Every year I get a royalty check for um, about $10. Nice. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Big time. I spend on, on various ethnic foods that are way too scary for a certain person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Now you're just being hurtful, Bob. First, you want me to, yeah. to be the Knicks head coach, and now you're taking shots on my food choices. Make up your mind. Are I'm you for me up. or are you against I'm me? I'm mixing it up. Okay. I'm throwing curveballs at you, man. I'm keeping you on your toes. Okay. Little, Fair enough. Little column A, little column B. Like Very objective. China, Capital J journalist over here. Bob's, to look at one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that is, um, I, I don't know. I guess. We'll have to see what happens. I just, um, Andrew, I'll pose this to you. How many days could you be in a text thread or text group chat with Kyrie and Kevin Durant? How many days so, could you last before you leave the group? Like, and before you're just like, I got to leave the group chat. How many do you do? So, so, the, the, so the, the, just give you a little background on me. Mm-hmm. I, people will throw me in group chats and group texts and group threads. <laughs> I will barely contribute at all. And so I, I, I'm just that guy. Hey, happy to be in the group. But Interesting. I think that I, I but the thing is, I'm one of those people that like if I have nothing to say, I'm not going to I'm just not going to pop in the group to say anything just to say anything. Mm-hmm. But I think what Kyrie and Kevin both get paranoid about is who leaks information so if if something were to happen, say if, if something were to happen with the Nets and it goes out to somebody in the media, but it actually stemmed from the group chat, you couldn't go after me first because I probably won't even read what actually happened in mm-hmm. said group chat. So I'm just like, oh, okay, oh, that, that was said? Oh, let me scroll up. Oh, that was said. Hmm. But you're not annoyed so, by like your phone just going off all day long. Like that doesn't bother. Never have, never have notifications. You can, you can mute. You can mute the mm, group chat. That's it, true. It's very easy. Okay. Never, never have notifications. Yeah. Never have notifications on it. So if you do miss something, oh, but if it's important enough, somebody will reach out to you. That's true. I I immediately leave group chats. Like I don't like being in group chats. I hate it. <laughs> like I, I immediately leave. Like I just, I don't like conversing all day. I don't like texting. Like I, hate, that's the worst part of dating is getting to know someone through texting. I hate it. It's the worst thing in the world. Bingo. I, you can't figure out people's like humor, sense of humor. Like you, it's hard to get a read on people. Like no, but also group group texting is just the absolute worst because then they just all blow up. And um, I, this is the the last thing I'll say about this, and we'll move on. But now I'm curious. If you guys <laughs> think I'm uh, just a weirdo for this too? But I use proper grammar when texting and it weirds some people out still today where they're like why are you using periods on all of your texts why do you have a semicolon and like wh- what are you doing do y'all do that or no 
Um, I I I text kind of however, whenever. Um, I yeah, like if I use proper grammar, fine. If I don't, fine. As long as my point gets across, I'm good. What about you, Bob? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with Andrew on this. Okay, thank sometimes, you. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. I don't get hung up on it. I get annoyed. I I'll stop texting a girl for how she yeah, like, texts. Yeah, I will be out seems, based on how you text. 100%. That seems, <laughs> that seems fairly clear that that's your case. <laughs> that I, was I a believe, really nice I way of saying that. Chase is like Jerry Seinfeld of the South. Um, yeah, no, I have a lot of, a lot of things <laughs> that I... Like I'll stop seeing let me, you. Let me just say though. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to be in a group chat with Kyrie? I want to get those takes. Do you? I want to get those like these takes from Kyrie. Yeah. Okay. Look. You, you say that you now, look, but day thirteen, you're like Kyrie. I don't want to hear any more about your opinion on Saturn. I'm good. I don't need this today. No, I want it all. Okay. I want. I want all of the fire takes from Kyrie. Mm. I want to know what he thinks about things. I want to know like given things he said on various podcasts and to reporters, I bet the actual the stuff that he keeps to himself and his buds is even better. I want that real <laughs> stuff. That's um, what I want. I can see it. I want the pure uncut coverage. Yes. And you can use the group chat. It's very easy. You can use the group chat. And then when you want to be like, oh, let's see what's going on in the old group chat. And you check. This is not a lot of labor. There are many modern technical things so that you're not besieged by Kyrie talking about... So I'm just being dramatic. You know, Bill Gates developing a you know, tracking device in 5G. Something. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, you never know. People forget. Um, which naturally... No, I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not kidding about that. That is actually... There is a massive and growing number of people who think that Bill Gates is is developing a COVID vaccine to secretly implant people with nanotech that will track their every movement. And no, these people never seem to think like, yeah, but you have a phone that does that. You would There's be no amazed. Muggle it in. I, you're going to be amazed how many people will not get the vaccine when it's available because they're fearful of like what's. I available. will not. I will. I, I will in no way be amazed, but I will be horrified. Right. But I will not be amazed. I'm still trying to convert some of my family members who are like, nope, not going to do it. And I'm like, oh, my God. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's wild. Um, which, like, a natural lead-in, Corona, to Cam Newton. This is why they pay me the big ass bucks <laughs> is for these transitions. Um, Cam Newton, out of nowhere, signs with the Patriots. All the people that were like, Jarrett Stidham is getting this job. They love Jarrett Stidham. They love Jarrett Stidham. And then it's like, they didn't really love Jarrett Stidham. They just... Um, didn't know they were going to be able to sign Cam Newton. That was all that was. Um, very good posturing from New they England. Had, they had Jared Stidham. They, they still do. So they do have Jared Stidham, but he is... Um, there are still people who think that it's going to be like a back-and-forth like situation where like they didn't bring in Cam to to start week one. I Those people, I just... I love it because at least you're going to stick to your guns um, that you really... You really believe Cam Newton signing there, and uh, they're bringing in Cam Newton with um, without him being a starter. Um, I'll pose this to you, Andrew. How do you think Cam Newton will fare in year one in New England? I think Cam Newton is exactly what Bill Belichick wants. Like Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels 
have had Tom Brady and had to deal with, and this is no slight to Tom Brady, not at all, but they've had to... like, this is going to be a slight to Tom Brady, but go for it. Right, right, like, right. Like, I, I'm, it, it's nothing against Tom Brady. I don't have anything against Tom Brady, but I think both Belichick... I have a lot against and, Tom Brady, and it starts with 28-3. to 3. I have a lot against him, actually. I have a lot of issues with Tom Brady. <laughs> You should take that up with Kyle Shanahan, but that's another topic for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they want a fresh start. So if it is Jared Stidham, fine. But the fact that you do get Cam Newton, the fact that you do get a dual threat and when healthy, a very, very good quarterback. I think this is exactly what they want. It's it's a fresh start. They can essentially they can kind of play around with what they want to do with him because with Tom Brady, it was, okay, I have Welker, I have um, Amendola, I can, you know, I can do whatever, but a fresh start with new receivers, a new quarterback, uh, a chance to expand the playbook a little more, as much as people, as much as people want to say, oh yeah, Jared Stidham's great, but if Cam Newton were to sign with another team, something tells me Patriot fans would be like, oh man. I wish we had Cam Newton. They won't admit it out loud, but they'll say, but 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 they'll say to themselves, "Oh man, I wish we had Cam Newton." So this is perfect. It's a perfect landing spot for him. Bob, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, I got him on a, a very very low risk one year prove it deal. Uh, if he screws boots, then now they can go with Stidham or Brian Hoyer or whoever, and. and uh, I, you know, look, Cam is still when like the only question about Cam Newton is his health. When healthy, he is a he is a let's say conservatively, let's say he's a top ten NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think he's, he's somewhere like rate. I have him at like eleven, twelve. Um, he's somewhere. In yeah, that that's fine. Yeah. He's he's clearly in the he's somewhere like yeah. If you wanted to say twelve to fifteen, that's fine. He's an above average quarterback. Yes. It's, it's going to be a team that that New England team is going to rise or fall on its defense. Um, I think, you know, the, the only question that, that I would have with Newton is who is he going to throw to exactly? They've got, you know, they've still got Edelman, but and I guess maybe Nikhil Harry will be slightly better, and I, I have no idea which reclamation project receivers built. Belichick brought in this offseason. I sort of stopped paying attention to the NFL offseason <laughs> this year because I was thinking about other things. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they, they've got their usual slew of patriotic running backs, and they don't have a, you know, they lost Gronk. But, you know, Gronk went to Tampa Bay. They didn't, I think they're starting to end as Matt McCoss. So, I don't know who, you know, it's not like Cam was, was, was chucking to, to great receivers in Carolina either, but it's not, it's probably not going to be peak Cam Newton. So I don't think you want him, you know, running a hundred times a year. Um, you know, he's, I think that team is still going to struggle offensively, uh, no matter what happens with Newton or, or struggle, meaning I don't think they're going to be a very good offensive team. I think on defense, they're going to be, very good again. Mm. So, you know, it can, can be a competent game manager, and they run a lot of the same short, high accuracy passes that, that he had 
that he was running in 2016 with Carolina, I think would be fine. Yeah, I mean, look, they needed a quarterback who was better than Jared did. And they, by all accounts, got that. So, cool, great. The Jets are going to suck again. I love it. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> Um, I'm more happy that this just upends Bill's nation. Like, I love that we might not get Josh out in the playoffs. Like, I love when Buffalo finally thought that this was their year. Like, no more Brady. We're ready for this. And then Cam signs, and you're like, nope, you're no longer the favorite. Here's, here's, here's my prediction. Buffalo wins the AFC. No way. What? Old, what? Yeah, Buffalo wins the Assuming there is an NFL season, mm-hmm. I don't think we can say that with 100% confidence yet. Assuming there is some form of NFL season... I think Buffalo won. Andrew. Mm, uh, see, you see, here's that the thing. That is my spicy take. <laughs> I, even when Brady left and it was like officially, officially he was going to be a free agent, I laughed because this is exactly what Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and like that whole Patriots organization wants. So like, they want everybody to like, doubt them and they want everybody to have focus on Buffalo. I think Buffalo is going to be a good team. I think they're going to be in the playoffs, but so, like the, until I actually see somebody have one of those division cha- those one of those whack division championship shirts that Nike produces every year. Yeah. Um unless it's not a Patriot logo, I I can't see it happening like I just can't like Buffalo. The pressure hits Miami. I think they're a year away from actually like oh, okay, Miami might be able to do something. And New York, I there's a, maybe there's a <laughs> right, you're right. Like, I'm just like maybe sure. Uh, I guess um, yeah. Like I, I'm not buying it, but hey, maybe one day they will. If you're a big Denzel Williams guy, here. then you're just you're all in on New York. Big Denzel Wims fans. I've got an even spicier take. My spicier take is the Bills would have won the division even if Brady is And that Brady is going to be bad. Oh, I think, oh, I think, absolutely. I I firmly believe that. Yeah. Brady has really good wide receivers in in Tampa Bay. And he's got, you know, and at least three quality pass catching tight ends. And you know a, a serviceable offensive line. He is going to. This is going to be the year, Brady. I don't. I. I. I, I am counting out touchdown Tom in Tampa. I am counting out Tampa Tom. He is going to be bad, and I am going to take pleasure in that. That's going to make me happy. I'm going to engage in a little Schadenfreude, and when Brady is running around getting his like 40 or 3 year old ass like ground into the turf. I will not feel sad. I will feel the opposite. Either it goes really well for him in Tampa. Like, there's no middle ground. So people who have them at, like, the two spot yeah. in the NFC South, I'm like, no. Like, they're not going 8-8 eight and eight with Brady in that group. Like, it's either they're going 12-4 and four and it's, like, Peyton Manning rejuvenation in Denver or, like, he gets injured right. in week two and the offensive line's not fixed and they're terrible and it's just, like, 2-14. and 14, And, like, they blow it all up. There's no way it goes to the middle ground. There's just no way. Um, I... I'm 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 in the camp of I think that they do barely go because I'm looking at their schedule and there are some winnable games on there, but then there's other ones where I'm I'm looking and I'm just like I don't know because the last time I saw Tom Brady and 
we all saw Tom Brady. He was looking very, very average. I don't think that he carries that. I don't think he carries that with him. I think he's got enough weapons in Tampa, but yeah, I'm 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 not I'm not buying ten win season or or twelve win season or a two win season. It's gonna just be super mediocre, and we'll be seeing him on wild cards uh, Saturday night again. Um, the other thing too with Cam though, to bring it back to Cam a little bit, is. We don't talk enough about this, but if you look at some of the quotes that he had um, with his injury-riddled season where, um, I don't know if y'all remember, but two years ago, like this is when it first started, like the Panthers got off to this great start. I, I barely remember two years ago, so no. Yes, okay, well, no. he they they were going to be in the playoffs if Cam doesn't get hurt the way he does. Like they were, I think they started 6-1 and one or 7-1. and one. <laughs> They were really good. And Cam was having a career, like Norv Turner was doing great stuff with the offense. Um his shoulder, he couldn't move his shoulder. So at the end of the season, he was talking about it where he was like, I can't throw the ball 20 yards downfield. I remember that Saints game where he was refusing to do it. Like he literally physically could not do it. And then you're hearing right after, like, I can't do it. And they put him in. And I'm like, they low-key just killed Cam. Like he should not have been allowed to play. Like if he can't throw the football 20 yards downfield, he physically can't do it with the shoulder. Why is he out on the field? Like that was like an under talked about story two years ago is that like Cam lost a year of his time because they threw him out there when he physically couldn't do it. Like Cam, his injury stuff is not even on him. Like he made it so much worse by just playing when he couldn't throw the football. Like that was insane to me that that was still happening at this time where the team medical doctors were like, yeah, no, we appreciate your warriorness, but like you're not playing. Like if you cannot throw a football more than 10 yards downfield without excruciating pain, you're not doing this. Right. I don't know. It um and then this quote from Belichick on Cam a couple years ago that I thought was very illuminating. Um he said there uh let's see, I would definitely put him he's the hardest guy to deal with. He makes good decisions, he can run, he's strong, he's hard to tackle, he can do a lot of different things, beat you in a lot of different ways. We saw that um in the game down there in uh, 2013. So I put him at the top of the list. Not saying there are not other guys who are a bigger problem, because they are but he's public enemy number one. Like he's respected and been fascinated by Cam Newton for almost 10 years. And I think um, just giving them an opportunity to really revamp this offense and letting McDaniels get rejuvenated to do some bootlegs. And they do a lot of play action anyway. So just seeing him in the gun with Sonny Michelle and James White and doing some RPO stuff and doing some play action bootlegs, like it's going to be a very different Patriots offense um, Closer to what we saw with Brissett, because Brissett did a lot of bootlegs um, those first couple weeks. He was playing without Brady. Yeah, a couple yeah, years yeah. Back. Oh, wow. Frank, Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett was a Patriot for Austin. Goddamn. Yeah, and now it's over. He was not good in Indy this year. <laughs> he, was, he was not good. He, he takes, like, if there is a conservative quarterback, like, he is more conservative than your favorite quarterback. He is the Jeff Sessions of NFL quarterbacks. <laughs> That's why they come out for these. Uh, I, had to go, I found Jacoby for such quality daily fantasy pickup. That is my trenchant analysis of Jacoby Brissett is that he just often put up decent daily fantasy numbers for a cheap price. And I want him to change. So we hooray, hooray for that. Um, the last topic I wanted to touch on with you guys is the Maya Moore story uh, that broke this week. Um, what do you make of it? This was just like, it still feels under-talked about how insane 
this story is and how she was successful and the best WNBA player taking a year off in her prime to do this. Um, Bob, we'll start with you. Like, what did you, what did you make of this story? Oh, it's, it's, it's unreal. I mean, I, I don't think you can underestimate what it's like. It says a lot about the, about the, the degree that, that a lot of Americans treat women's sports. They don't realize that the best women's basketball player, arguably the best women's basketball player in the game, taking a year away to get a man free was unjustly, you know, get a man free from, from, from life in jail. I, I mean, you know, look, if someone told told me right now, and I'm the furthest thing from at the top of my profession, if someone said to me, like, yeah, but listen, we'll take care of your financial needs, but I want you to stop writing for a whole year and devote yourself to a cause. I, I don't know if I would do that. I, 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 would have, I would have second thoughts. The, the kind of selflessness that it takes to do this is just, it's, it's almost unimaginable. I mean, and God, I, I cannot respect Maya more enough. I mean, I, I, I know the reasons why most fans don't even know this is happening, but boy, they really should. I mean, it's not even like she just did it. She, I mean, took the year off to try. She actually accomplished what she set out to do. That's the other part of it. Like, she was successful. Right. Right. Andrew, what do you think? uh, You know, it's 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 fascinating um, because when she did it, you're like, oh, okay, this is this is interesting. And then, you know, my first thought was, okay. She's going to come back in a year, but you know, it's like, this is still amazing. And just watching the progression throughout this, you know, throughout the season where she wasn't playing. And it, I, to me, it is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen an athlete do. And, you know, in covering in my 15 years covering sports, there's there's been a lot of athletes that have amazed me and just actually just watching the progression throughout this entire process and then you know seeing because it wasn't just one man that she's helped she's helped multiple people get on the road back to you know getting out of jail and getting out of this terrible uh you know, prison system we have in this country and just watching her do that. And, you know, like Bob said, just giving up her, the prime of her career. And you could make, you could make a strong argument. She was the league's best player, possibly the the best women's basketball player on the planet at the time. You're, I'm just stunned and I'm in amazement and, I hope when when her career is done and when she, you know, years from now, I hope that we give her, you know, to that phrase, you know, give give them their flowers. I hope she gets her flowers every single day for the rest of her life, because it is it is by far one of the most amazing selfless acts of just pure humanity, not just because she's an athlete, but just pure humanity that I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think one thing that's worth mentioning also is 
this is not the thing. It should be the job of an athlete to accomplish this. I am in no life. There are athletes who don't have strong political beliefs, and that is entirely fine. I really couldn't mean that more. Like, there are athletes who, you know, considering the amount of work it takes to achieve that level of success in any field, having spare time to think about like, something outside of their chosen profession yep. is in itself also a purchasing accomplishment. There's, a, there's a, an essay that, that David Foster Wallace wrote called String Theory, in which he followed around a like 100th ranked tennis pro and, you know, from to a couple of tournaments, spent time with him while he trained, talked to him about his life. And that person who, again, outside of tennis fanatics, no one would know that. I can't even remember his name right now. And I've read the story multiple times. But in order to become the 100th ranked tennis player in the world in his early 20s, he has, it has been the sole focus of his entire life. So much so that the question of when did you decide you wanted to be a professional athlete doesn't even really make sense to him because he started training at an age before the idea of making such a choice could even be contemplated. It's just what he was doing since he was five years old. So he never really got the option to actually think, do I want this to be my life? It was his life already. And, and you know, going away from that, it, it, again, like the, this question of will and choice of what do we want to be when we grow up, that's not something that most athletes have. Um, and his monkish dedication to perfecting that skill set not only doesn't leave room for studying the history of incarceration in America, it doesn't leave room for shit, for shit like hanging around with friends or like, you know, going on a beer run late at night. There is, it has, it has been a narrowing, winnowing focus to this one thing. And for professional athletes, I would say that is absolutely, for the majority of professional athletes, that's the degree of dedication they had to apply in order to achieve what they achieved. It is such a different kind of life that most of us can't even begin to fathom. So I, I mention all this as to say, like, to be able to do that and also to take time to consider what kind of belief system you want in the world, what kind of what, what you believe, wherever it lands on the political spectrum, is also another version of these problems. So perhaps you don't believe strongly one way or another, I don't think anyone should be critical because it smacks me as wildly hypocritical. That said, what I think Maya Moore has shown us is that athletes do have a great deal more political capital than I think they may realize. Like, if if, if NBA players on mass decided that for a number of reasons, whether it's the pandemic or whether it's the, the ongoing uprising, that they don't think basketball should be the primary, the primary focus, there is no basketball. They could make that happen at the drop of a hat. If college football athletes decided that actually getting paid a reasonable wage in return for their services was more important and worth risking their potential future professional jobs, which again is also a monumental thing to ask them to do, and I'm certainly not asking to do it all. I'm just saying that they possess that political power. And 
Um, so watching more actually exercise it to me, you know, as we've said more than one occasion now, is it's 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 such a remarkable thing. It's to me, it's almost beyond comprehension. And what's sad too is that I think. Do you think she can do this while also playing basketball full time? Like it's almost like athletes uh, have to choose at this point. Like it's almost not fair that to do this kind of stuff that you have you can't do both, right? Like I, I think well, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe it, 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 I think it's tough to say. I think that was definitely her. I think that was the that was the calculus that she that like crunching the numbers. I think she decided that that's true. Yeah, um, Andrew, what do you think? Um, I think it's difficult to do uh, at the level, at the commitment level she had, um, which is to me the most impressive thing is that it wasn't just one of those where she, you know, would kind of dip her foot, you know, in the pool of this case and that case and and then still kind of do her own thing on the court. No, she was totally commitment. It was total commitment. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's possible. Um, I'd like for it to be possible, but I honestly, I just don't see how, you know, she could, you know, with, with the commitment level she had to, you know, to, to getting those men free. Um, like I said, it's possible. I, I'd like to see it happen because I, frankly, I miss her on the court. But if this is going to be her, if this is going to be the mission that she wants, and you know, then I, I'm going to support her no matter what. So, um, but yeah, I just, I don't know if it's possible. I mean, I'm sure it is. Um, you know, when you can spend most of your off season uh, just, you know doing that but yeah in season it's gonna be a little difficult i wonder if she comes back i i could see this being so inspiring and this so motivating to help one person that you want to help more people and um it's contagious and i wonder too i guess this is a two-part thing of like if other athletes see how much change my more affected that they're like you know what what if i did something like that what if i took a year off i wonder if we see more star athletes use their platform speaking to what bob said for this kind of thing i wonder if they do that and they take those um those strong stands because it just it matters more to them and um i'm i'm curious what happens there both of those two things yeah i think with my more i think i mean i think it's one thing that when did she announce that it was a couple of weeks ago no was it june i think in january she said she was skipping another year yeah she did Mm -hmm. in january um yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and look, 31, it's certainly not too old for her to come back. She can certainly do it. I, I don't think two years away from this is certainly be uh, too long. And the other thing is, like, WNBA players get played at pay. I mean, right now, pretty much every WNBA player earns more playing abroad than they do in America. Yeah. And so many of them do double seasons and, you know, play in the U.S. for of visibility and then go to Russia or China or any number of European leagues to actually get paid in like a wage that is matches their ability. Um, so honestly, if you want to just think about, you know, uh, load management, she may be in a better position 
Um, I, I don't know. I, will other athletes do that? Maybe. Um, it's, it's so unfair. I mean, again, you know, this, this may be selfish, but I just return to my own thinking process. Like, if someone said to me, Bob, just uh, like, here's something you believe very strongly. And I believe many things strongly. Like, I want you to, you know, don't worry, you won't start, you'll be able to pay rent, but go to, like, give up your career right now and devote yourself to this cause. I couldn't do it. I don't think. Or it would take, you know, that would be, that, like, think about that. That's a gut-wrenching decision. Even yeah, I couldn't do it. Even either. if there were no, yeah, even if there were no financial harm, uh, I, I, I don't think they will. I think it's my opinion. I don't think more will, or at least not in the Yeah. Well, either way, it was a a great story, and I'm glad it had a happy ending. And I'm very interested to see um, what happens going forward. Um, all right, last thing, and we'll wrap up here. Washington, what's their new name? What are we betting on? What are we betting on Washington football team's new new name? Because all the ones it's we saw from Odd Shark sucked. I hope it's, it's going to be a those. troop of some kind. It's going to be a troop, and it's going to. I'm going to. Like it's going to be one, two things. It's going to be like the Washington Presidents, or God. something like the Washington Warriors, where they get to keep the Native American imagery and just pretend it's cool now. I want to be the Washington Hustlers. <laughs> there, there was okay. an like. When when the when there was a when the an ADA team moved to Baltimore in nineteen seventy five, I believe maybe seventy four, they were gonna be called the Baltimore Hustlers. And unfortunately the team never made it out of preseason before folding. But like, come on. The Washington Hustlers is a great name because athletes hustle and Washington DC is filled with all kinds of uh Unethical cryptozoids who absolutely could be called hustlers in government and in various <laughs> government issues and positions. And I think that would be a great name, but they will. I, there is a zero chance they're going to listen to me. What do you think, Andrew? So I thought about this, and one name that I heard, because uh, it, it, it was kind of a controversy. I want to say, like, Back 2013, 2012, we kind of went through this, but it didn't go as far as it has now. Um, I, I've i heard, like, Red Hawks. Mm. I wouldn't hate that um, because you can kind of keep the R, you keep the the feathers, like... But one thing I saw is on, on Twitter was the Washington Red Tails. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was absolutely fantastic uh because of the red tail uh tuskegee airmen uh airplane uh the the flight group from world war ii it's it's cool it's a cool name red tails is an awesome name and somebody said if somebody i saw somebody had a tweet that said you know imagine those those types of planes flying overhead before a game or something i was like okay that would be kind of awesome because like uh, you know, and, and there's nothing like flyovers are cool, no matter you know uh, <laughs> what before a game. So like I'm, I'm still like I'm like oh that'd be badass. Um, but yeah, no, I, I red tails or red hawks because 
I don't think, and, and with all this going on, there's a lot of legal wrangling. There's a lot of merchandise, you know, because like this is a multi-million dollar change that's going to happen. So there's a lot that goes into it. And part of me, part of me is thinking, okay, they're just going to completely, you know, just blow it up and then get something completely new. But at the same time, I'm like, Daniel Snyder doesn't want to do this. No. Yeah. There, there are people that don't want to do this for the sake of tradition. So to kind of, in a way, nudge them forward, they're going to do the bare minimum, which at the same time, I don't mind it, but at least if you're going to do the bare minimum, make it cool. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and not racist. Because like, <laughs> right. Like if you do Washington warriors, okay, that's kind of like, have a different name. Like, like don't sit there and go to your name generator and, you know, spend millions of dollars on consultation firms and focus. <laughs> on, and you just come up with the most generic, you know, Madden created Madden team name, and, and you're sitting back and you're like, really? That's that's what you came up with? Uh, well, I mean, here's the thing: we're dealing with that in Seattle with the NHL team that's going to come here. So the Kraken, I what, love the Kraken. The Kraken's what? a great name. Yeah, the Kraken's amazing. But they're going to spend you know eight million dollars on research, and it's going to be, and if it's not the Kraken, people are going to be upset. So yeah. it's like if you're Washington. If you're going to spend $20 million on this and trying to figure it out, and you come up with the Warriors, yeah, nobody's – people are going to be upset still. And it's like, oh, good job, Daniel Snyder. So, like, I'm exp- I want Red Tails or Red Hawks, mm. but it's going to be the Warriors. It's going to be so basic and bland, and Daniel Snyder's going to give that stupid grin on his face like, hey, we changed. And it's like, no, you didn't. Go away. I um... a couple couple of couple of things about this. Okay, just which I think just came back to me. Mm. Everyone, you guys both saw that, that statement from Rivera, which for some reason mentioned like our team name has always been honoring Native American heritage and the troops. Yeah, like like what do you mean by the troops? This is actually an old Daniel Snyder idea going back about eight years, seven years maybe, where. When people started to say, and, and by the way, Native American groups have been talking about changing the name since like 1971. None of this is there. They, they said to him, like, well, you know, they were like, this is racist. You should change this. And he said, no, it's actually about the Navajo code talkers from World War II. That's who we're honoring. People forget. The, the fabled people forget about the Native Americans who served in World War II and debunked the German code, which is what this football team is about. So I immediately thought of that when Ron Rivera was like, yeah, but the troops. The other thing was there was a wonderful internet hoax around that same time in which a group put out press releases and made up janky versions of like Sports Illustrated and the Washington Post's website announcing in articles that the team had changed their name to the Red Hawks. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And they even got a fake, uh, you know, John Gruden quote about changing the team name and how he was so excited by it. And, like, for a good hot minute, people believed that it was actually the 
actually real. And it was put together by the Native American advocacy group being like, you see how easy it would be? Everyone is happy. And people don't actually the, care the, about the this. The people who are like, don't do like, no, no one actually cares. They'll move on oh, the next day. No one gives a shit. Fine. The only ch- name change that I remember being like distinctly mad about and thinking it was incredibly bad of late was the other Washington protein. Yeah. Was when they changed from the bullet to the wizard. Because, yes, I understand you don't want to be seen as glorifying gun violence. That's fine. I get it. Come up with a different name. But the Wizards was a terrible name. It still it is. It so bad. And they're it, still it embarrassed about it. They're trying to pretend that they're the Bullets again. Their whole logo and their whole what? uniforms now are, there's no Wizard anywhere. I like, know. they are it's running from that. That weird, like, that weird, like, colored paper cutout Wizards logo that they had for so yeah. long. Oh, that was so bad. I would, it um... I would but, do the, the what if they did the like, Washington what if they did the Washington basketball team and the Washington football team? Sure, that's fine. What if we just did that? We just went super like you kept the same colors and everything, we just call you what we've been calling you anyway, the Washington football team and the Washington just basketball Washington, team. The Washington Washington. Or I, so, 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 I, I like this. If, if we were to if if we want to piss off, you know, uh diehard American sports guy, this is what you do. You call them Washington FC. Oh wow! And, and just you just piss off every old school boomer sports fan. And why are they come? Why are they named after a soccer team? Boo! Yeah, I like chaos. So yeah, no, call them Washington FC and have like the soccer. Have like a have like the little soccer crest on the helmet. Like yeah, just. Can I tell you what I thought you said the first time? I thought you said the Washington Epsteins, and I was like, bold, bold. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be funny. Um, I like it. Speaks to the DC culture that Bob was talking about earlier. Like, let's just go yeah, on the nose. Speaking of which, like, Andrew, if you think that they're not going to spend millions of dollars in consulting fees and focus groups and then come up with something that's horrible that everyone hates anyway, you really haven't been following how Washington works for the last. You know, right. That is absolutely the most likely result. Of there we go. Okay. Yes. Did you just ask me something? No. Oh, I no, thought I heard my name. No, Sorry. No, I, I thought you were saying something, and then I didn't want to cut no. you off. Um, well, that, that's no. all I got for today. So, Bob, Andrew, what can we check out from you this week on the interwebs or in up the upcoming weeks? What can we? What can readers and listeners find from you guys? Andrew, go for it, man. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, so MLS and NBA are going to be returning in July, and I'm actually going to have stuff to write about now, which is good. Uh, so I'm putting together a few uh, MLS uh, MLS's back tournament previews and going to take a deep dive into uh, what college football games could be missed uh, due to coronavirus out west. And... Yeah, just a look at the uh, NBA playoffs as they return to the uh, bubble in Orlando. And where can we read you? You can read me uh, at the uh, News Tribune or on Twitter at uh, AhamTNT. Go do that. And you, Bob, Daily Beast, going at it with uh, yeah. Redacted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a story up right now uh, about uh, Fallon Fox. 
and I spoke with Fallon this week, and it was amazing. Um, I got a profile for life, and, and looking back at what happened when she first was out as this trainer, or came out as trainers, really, uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of a lot of really fine Joe Rogan quotes in there for all you for all you Rogan fans out there. Um, I've actually got another MMA story coming out, I think, soon, but I'm going to be all coy and stuff and not tell you what it's about. Okay. How about that? All right, so like uh, Andrew's a wrestling guy, so I, I'm going to go ahead and assume, Bob, that uh, you're breaking the Conor McGregor to WWE uh, story. Like that, that's I am Conor. I can I can tell you that Conor has absolutely, much to my surprise, Conor McGregor is not involved. Not involved. There's 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 a clue for all you sleuths out there <laughs> who like sleuthing. But if you look at my Twitter feed at Bob Sayeda, you might be a kid. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I've never watched a UFC fight in my life. What? They're, they're very cool. You know okay. what you should watch? You know, while, while eating dumplings, what you should do <laughs> is watch um, it's a documentary series by Felix Peterman of Chapo Trap House and mm. John Boyce that's called Fighting in the Age of Loneliness. Okay. That is about the history, that's about the history of UFC. So it's not like you have to sit through a whole match or anything. Oh, I thought you were going to go down a different road. Just being like, you could pick up yeah. on my natural loneliness during the quarantine you're like this will help you this is a yeah, yeah, yeah. help doc it's it's a no it won't do that at all it'll probably mm. make you feel sad oh, but, that's what most documentaries are right yeah but it's been easy to digest like 20 minute chunks in a five-part series and it is quite good I, I, you can find it at sp nation if you google fighting in the age of loneliness it should come up fairly quickly all right so, i'll I think enjoy it for chase and our readers out there it's very helpful there you go um i don't know i just don't have a, I'm, I'm trying not to absorb any more sports in my life i i, I want less <laughs> i have too much in my life there you go i don't want more like i'm already annoyed when i have weekends where i'm like oh college, like this fall until you've actually done like a full day of college football and then a full day of the nfl for like three weeks you're Oof. just like Good God, I can't do this anymore. I, and I have nothing. I, to I, I love that though. Do you? That's the best part. Yes. Well, so okay. So I lived in the Midwest for 29 of the 31 years I've been living. Mm-hmm. I've spent two years, or well, be my second year in October, out west. When I tell you that you can wake up at 6 a.m. watch college game day, <laughs> and you aren't done with football until about 12.30 a.m. If, if Hawaii has a home game, oh, it's a good day. That is a fantastic But then you're day. waking up the next day for Bill's Jets. At 10 a.m., yeah. Okay, I'll have a little brunch, watch some mediocre NFL football, and I'm, and I'm done with the NFL by 6.30 p.m.? That's a, that's a good day. I don't watch the London that game a, out of protest. I don't watch it. I refuse. <laughs> I will never watch the London game. I'm not watching the NFL starting at 9 a.m. for me. No. Fuck out of here. Uh, it's not happening. Coward. I, coward. I, can, I, I can do the, the like, 1 p.m. to, like, what, like, 12 p.m. Sunday stretch. That mm-hmm. I can do. I've done that many, many times. I've been, on repeated occasions, I've watched all three Prime time games. I don't have red zone or anything like that, so it's not like a But you're not a college guy. I'm not a college football guy. No. Yeah. I never so got you have a break. It. You don't like have a Saturday, Sunday. You don't know our pain, Bob. 
Bob. You don't know. I mean, you, yeah, have, I do. you, you have Knicks fan yeah, pain, but like I mean, not that. Oh, look, NFL season, if it's October, I'm watching baseball on Saturday. Okay. And if it's November, December, I'm probably watching basketball on Saturday, Sunday. Or, you know, so to me, uh, but, you know, granted, those are like, those are three-hour games, and mm-hmm. it's over. Not like I start chain-watching them from one to the next to the next. Mm, I don't know. I you know what's sad is like I I watched um because there's nothing on right now. I was watching uh Supercross yesterday while I was uh writing and prepping a a restaurant, and I was like, I like this. And then I was like, Nope, I'm not. Nope, not adding this to my life. That's not happening. I'm not going to research this. I'm not going to see who's good. This isn't happening. I'm not adding this. I'm not doing it. No, like I refuse. Not NASCAR. Not any of that. I'm not doing anything else. Well, all right. Look, the thing with UFC is that. It, you know, it, it's not long. True. Those matches do not for a long time. And they They're pay a lot of money for very shorts, like a very right. short amount of right. uh, pleasure. Yeah, it's it's weird. Right. I, I'm not saying you got to drop down pay for few cash, but mm-hmm. I'm saying and it doesn't require a huge time invest. True. I don't if know. you just food for thought. So I'm going to like write about my excursion watching the UFC while eating soup dumplings. One day. That's that's there what I'm you do. go. Um, I evolved See, as a human guy. Um, well, I would, re- I would read that blog. Thank you, thank you, Bob. Um, this has been great. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. I'm so glad we did this today. This is a good Friday. It's a good start to the weekend. Good holiday weekend. Um, thank you, good guys, for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, you guys have a safe and happy holiday weekend, and uh, let's do this again soon. Absolutely, definitely. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.